Okay, welcome back. This is podcast episode 66. Uh, got a little partner with me here today. Lillian's hanging out, drinking a bottle on my lap. So if you hear a little bit of squeaking going on, that's what that's behind. It's not Ben. I think sometimes we think it's Ben crying, but it's not always. Uh, we are going to start out today. We're coming off of um, a back-to-backer. We did one yesterday, right? And, it, yep. and you got it live today already. So we're going to crank another one out. We are going live tonight. You won't. It'll be past this when you listen to it, but we're going live on the Michigan Buck Pool. Another opportunity for us to try to um, share as much information as possible. Uh, that is our mission right now um, within the quarantine slash sheltering at home, safers at home, all that stuff. So the more we can provide, the better off I think we are um, as far as um, accomplishing that mission. So we're going to go to a face. This is a Facebook question that came in. Um, it is, I picked it because we had about three or four of them. I think three of them in the last week or two that are along these lines. A um, little bit of variation on all of them. I didn't find the, I couldn't, I didn't dig up the other ones, but I'm going to read you the one. Um, I remember some of the difference, differences, specific differences and some of the other questions. But let me get started here. It says, good afternoon. Uh, let me start by saying thanks for the previous advice. So uh, to give you an idea, we had started messaging back in October of 19, I guess. And I guess I didn't, it didn't even look back on this. Um, so we, he, we went back and forth on several different messages. Um, but his, this latest one, and I'm looking back on it real quick, and some of it was intro to gunfire. Um, there was lots of different things we went back and forth on. This latest message said, thanks for the previous advice. I've been working my butt off with her, and she's come a long way. I've since been able to place train very reliably. I use the word spot as my command instead, which it doesn't matter. As long as you're consistent, you use whatever word you want. It says, I'm currently working on bettering her heel work and the lead helps a bunch. So he must've got an adjustable leader from us. Um, it says, my question is regarding adding another dog into the equation. My girlfriend is staying over quite frequently and she has an eight-year-old beagle. The beagle is far from well-trained and is extremely food-driven. Breaking into the fridge, snooping through the garbage, constantly jumping up and sniffing the countertops. I'm worried that all the obedience work with my dog will be quickly lost. My girlfriend has given me permission to try to correct the beagle's behavior, but I have no idea where to start other than keeping the house clean and tamper-proof. She will still be on constant jumping prowl for food. Where does one start with an older dog? So it's a great question. Um, I bring it up because it, it, so that has to do with the influence of another dog. Um, we're gonna talk a little bit about that. I had another question that there was um, uh, going to be two dogs. They're going to be spread out by several months, six, seven months in, in between them. So the question was regarding, you know, is that a good idea, bad idea? So we'll talk on that a little bit. Had another one where there was two little dogs that were like little lap-type dogs and a puppy. And the two lap-type dogs had no training and they just didn't ask anything of them. And I have, you know, you see, and not to say that you can't train little lap dogs because you certainly can. Uh, but I do think they're more commonly um, seen to kind of get away with whatever they want because they're cute and they, they, they can only create so much damage as far as getting, you know, knocking. They're not going to knock you over if they jump up on you. I see it all the time where little ones, you know, they, they're encouraged to climb up onto their owners. Um, it, it, you can get away with it with a little dog because 
They're little. If it were a big dog, it would knock you over. So it just obviously would be unacceptable. So I do think that sometimes we look at little dogs and say, well, they're different than big dogs. They are just in size. I mean, there's no reason. I personally, if I had a little uh, teacup type dog, I wouldn't allow them to get away with murder. That's just me personally. Um, you know, some people are okay with their big dogs getting away with murder too. So I, you know, it's all, it's all based on what makes you happy. And that comes back to training and that comes back to being a dog owner. And that comes back to living life. Like you got to do what makes you happy. I'm not here to tell you what should or shouldn't make you happy. And I'm not telling you how you should or shouldn't do things. My goal is to try to share with you how we do things. And if you want to try it that way and, um, and think that it is a good fit for you, then great. Um, if not, scroll somewhere else, you know, you can listen to different podcasts. And, and so I, I think that there's a lot of options out there. So let's talk specifically on this one to start out with. So my, you know, um, my answer to the idea of where do you start with an older dog? So first off, I think it's great that you're, she is willing and you are thinking the part of the fix to this problem or potential problem that could create more issues is to work on the old dog. I think a lot of times people think that it's a lost cause at a certain point age-wise and you're just not going to change. I don't think that. Um, I do think that you have to recognize and realize that after eight years, there's a lot of habits there that are probably formed solid. And in order, you can change them, but in order to change them, it takes a, an, an immense amount of consistency with whatever the habit is that you're looking to form. So, you know, he said, where do you start with an older, why does one start with an older dog? In the beginning, that's the answer. And so it's no different than where do you start with a puppy? You start in the beginning. I don't care what the, I really don't care what the age is. I do think that you're, you know, with an older dog, there's probably gonna be some good things there. It can't be all bad. And so I think what you gotta do is you assess what is good and desirable and you use that to your advantage and you recognize that. But then you got to look at the things that are standing out that are, that are creating issues or problems. And that's the stuff you really have to focus on. You don't, we, we can't just spend our time doing what makes us feel good. A lot of times we want to train the stuff that the dog does well. We work on that because they do it well and it makes us feel good. And then we avoid the things that they don't do well because that makes, that gets uncomfortable. Um, it's, it's a lot easier to work, not work on the stuff that's hard. It's a lot easier to do the easy stuff. So I think, you know, we have to recognize that and then be okay with the idea of, you know what, this is going to make my job a little bit harder. It's going to be a little more difficult. I'm probably going to need more patience and accept that. And then you start in on it. So when you got this older dog, I think the things that are standing out are first off, there's a lot of freedom, it sounds like, with this beagle. If the dog can wander through the house, dig into the fridge, the garbage, the countertops, like there's, it's real, it's real clear to me, there's just too much freedom for the dog because the dog is making really bad decisions. And the reason that they're making those bad decisions is first off, they have the ability to make them. So now I here's where the challenge lies. You want to let you want to let her out. We got Bella getting a little antsy on her bed behind us, so we have to recognize that we're gonna let her out and then just watch her bend. And when she goes she goes to the bathroom, then bring her back in. Um, so we're gonna do a little bathroom break here. Uh, and so we're juggling stuff. We got dogs on beds laying around here. I've got a baby laying in my arm, sucking on some almond milk. Um, you know, it's it's a we go through the same stuff. I think sometimes people think that 
our lives training wise and otherwise are just like silky smooth and um, we've got it all figured out and that's why we're able to do it. We, we deal with weird stuff too. So um, it's, it's being able to and willing to adjust. So anyway, back to this, this dog, I think we need to look at, I would look at at eight years old, the dog has free reign. It sounds like jumping up on the countertop to me would be like a kid vandalizing your house. If you're okay with it, they're going to do it. If you haven't given them guidance, they might find themselves doing that. If they've hung out with the wrong crowd, they may end up doing that. Now that's the risk you run into with your new dog that you're training. I don't want them hanging around with those kids. So I do think there is cause for concern. Hey, hey, you're good. I do think there is cause for concern there. I think it's very easy to take away that ability and it goes back to oh boy it goes back to the idea that we need to minimize the opportunities for the dog to get into trouble and so crates and kennels are how i do that you know i i now i don't use it as punishment my dogs go into their crates and kennels pretty willingly now i don't know what if this dog even knows what a crate is. Starting out to put a dog in a crate at eight years old could be a bit of a struggle. So maybe it's minimizing the rooms that they can run through. Maybe it's taking away some of the freedom. You gotta remember, it sounds like this is your house, Pete. Uh, your girlfriend's bringing the dog over to your house. So I think, I don't think personally that it's out of line to say, yeah, I really like it when you guys come over and you bring the beagle, but here's the rules of the house and we're going to have to follow some of them. And so the new dog is learning that as well as the beagle because the beagle's the new dog. The beagle's the new dog in this house. Pete, that's a question for you. Do you have the ability to pull that off with your girlfriend? Um, I don't have the answer to that. I could see it going both ways. I could see someone saying, absolutely not. It's not going to happen. Well, then I think you have to make a decision. It's back to you and you go, are you okay with that dog? doing stuff that you don't want it in your house. You're right on the idea of it It starts with picking stuff up. You can leave it, Ben. Let's just see how she does. Let's, let's pick stuff up and minimize what the dog can get a hold of. That probably will help. The second part about this is, you know, it goes back to, oh boy, she doesn't want to be down there. I think what, what it takes is the understanding that if you start changing things with the old dog hey hey you're good if you start changing things with the old dog it's going to require 100 percent change you can't kind of ease your way into change with a dog if you're going to say no more jumping on the counter to get food and i don't think i would tackle everything at once i think i'd start tackling a few things at a time uh behavior wise i'd start curbing the things that are really creating an issue uh, it says here, snooping through the garbage, constantly jumping on the, and sniffing the counters. So I don't know how the dog's getting up on the counters, but if the dog's getting up on the counters by climbing onto something, move that so she so it can't get up there. Sniffing through, snooping through the garbage is the easy fix. We either put the garbage up or we close it into a cabinet of some sort. We do something where the dog can't get at the garbage. Um, Far from well-trained and extremely food-driven. doesn't sound like food-driven. It sounds like just hungry and looking to get into stuff. Again, I'm rereading this and I'm reading it and I'm going, 
you got to take away the opportunity for the dog to make these mistakes. And so it's your setup. Um, I also think there needs to be some rules put in place. And those are going to be the, that's going to be the hard part for Pete. How much, if you, you can't go partial rules. You can't go partially asking, hey, 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 do you want to do this podcast? Sounds like she does. Let me give you the whistle. Give me a second here. We're going to see if we can give her something that'll keep her happy. So I'm going to give her my dog whistle. Now, um, when it comes to your dog, and I'm going to scroll back up and find out here. How old is your dog? Um, I'm going back up to old questions. You've got, here back in October, you had a 19-month-old Springer Spaniel. Uh, so I'm assuming that that's the dog you've got. So that was in October, November, December, January, February, March. You're five months. You got a twenty-four. You got a two-year-old dog. So now I go back, Pete, and I ask, you know, foundationally at two years old, where are you at with that dog? I would hope and assume that you're probably got a decent foundation built. And so if that's the case, you're in better shape than having to start over or start from the beginning with a new puppy. Because if you're starting at the beginning from the new puppy, you'll have your hands full. And then you start really starting in the beginning with this eight-year-old beagle, which might be proved to be a little bit of hands full. So you got two to start in the beginning. Right now you're lucky. It's, I bet you you've got one that's doing pretty well if you've been putting some stuff into it. And then you've got one that comes in and goes, is this one going to influence and take away from what you've gained? That, I think, is also in your control because I think with this two-year-old Springer, you may have to for a while until you're able to get things kind of set up and clicking with this beagle. You may end up having to take that Springer and you might put the dog away for periods of time. You might take that dog and you might say, Beagle here, Snoopy's getting into stuff. So my Springer, you're going to go into the kennel. You're just not, we're just not, I'm going to work on focusing on one dog, not the other. And so that brings us to kind of this question. So, so Pete, that's what I'm recommending. I do think you can do it. I think there's going to be some hard decisions and the hardest decisions might have to do with the girlfriend. Not, not whether or not to keep her, but uh, whether or not you can get her convinced to the rules of the house, new rules of the house. It's, I wish I had easy answers to, for all you guys of just do this or that or this. It's pretty simple. Some of the, some of the questions that are asked have difficult, they're easy answers, they're difficult to execute. And this one might be one of those. Now, got a, uh, another question that had two dogs and two puppies, and they're going to be about six months apart. And we're talking puppies now, little, little puppies. Uh, how is that going to go? And I will say this. I think it's something that creates a lot more work. It's harder. I've done, we do puppies all the time. We've done puppies all the time over the years together. It is way more work. Because both of them have to be handled separately. This is a little bit different story because both of these puppies don't have anything yet. The nice part is, is they don't have they, they probably don't have a lot of bad stuff either. So what what it takes with raising two pups simultaneously is separating and training. 
you have to handle them individually. They have. It's just like Bella right now. We worked Bella in a group the last week or two. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been working her as in a group with my older dogs, and the reason is is because she's gotten so good at it by herself. It's when she gets around other dogs that all of a sudden the wheels come off. And if you don't work around other dogs and replicate the training and get her to be good around them, you know, she started out not that good at it by herself. And then we worked and worked and worked and worked on it. She got pretty good at it. Now we're talking about adding another dog in, which adds excitement and distraction. And She has problems focusing through it and the wheels come off. And all of a sudden I go, wow, we got to start back over. Kind of. It's just we need to slowly and gradually increase layers of distraction. And so when they get very good by themselves, you can start to introduce them. Now, Bella turned a year this weekend, and I'm now getting her into working in groups. I'm focusing on on growing that exposure because it took me that long to get her to the point where I felt pretty good about her being by herself. Now, we are not anywhere near being done, and we're going to do a lot more by herself because a lot of the stuff we need to do by herself is new. I can't introduce something new to Bella when she's with a group. She, we need, I need all my focus to be on her and her focus to be on me. The idea of working her with a group is doing things that she's already doing by herself and understands, and now it's adding other dogs into it. So with you, with someone that's going to look at two puppies, you need to do all that stuff by themselves first, and then probably with an older dog that's a little more further along maturity wise and understanding concepts and able to be able to be held and and respectfully trusted and under control you need that before you ever think about putting another puppy in the picture so someone here go check the front got my guard dogs letting me know that somebody's easy ellie nobody ellie enough so that's that you hear this in the background. I get asked that a lot. You know, my dog barks at strangers. I have a dog that Ellie is very protective, especially of the house, especially when the kids are here, when Steph is here in particular. Um, they let us know when someone's here. Now, what I do, and I don't mind that. What I do mind is, is if the dog doesn't stop when I tell it, that's enough. I got to let them know that I get it. I understand. I'm, I'm checking this out. And now that's enough. So that's something that you just got to hear us live. And so she settles back down and, hey, 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 easy, easy. So that's kind of tough. So we just touched on the idea of training two puppies together. Now, um, the other question was similar to this in that they had two little, um, and we talked about that too in the beginning. We talked about these two little like lap dog type dogs. Um, So I think personally, I'm a believer in, we should be consistent with our rules. I think sometimes we ha- we get into trouble because we have a different set of rules for different people. One kid in my house can't do one thing and the other kid's not allowed to. That wouldn't work. So I got to be consistent with my rules with these. Will you put a little milk in there, Ben? Yep. So we need to be consistent. This podcast is really going awesome right now. I've got so many things going on it is creating a little bit of an issue but now we're gonna regroup ben's gonna put a little milk in that cup we're gonna see if this little tired thing will take it and not fuss she's been throwing my phone around the whole time i just can't find something to get her to give her what she wants now 
if this was a dog training session, I'd probably look at it and go, okay, let's keep our cool and patience and let's find something to figure out a good way to get through it. And then I'd probably end it. So a lot of times my sessions don't go as well as I hope. Today, this podcast didn't quite go exactly how we hoped. Bella's getting antsy, had to go to the bathroom. Did she go when you let her out? So she had to go. So she's telling me that. She's getting up, she's circling, she's fussing, she won't settle in. And I'm going, dog probably has to go to the bathroom. So Ben luckily is here. He can let her out. I'm juggling a, a toddler or whatever you call these things on my lap. Uh, she's fussing with milk. She wants to play with the phone. I got dogs growling because they're here in the wind outside and thinking somebody's coming. All these things are going on. Well, that's a lot of times uh, I get into a training session with a dog and things just aren't going exactly how I planned them. And what we need to be careful of, and I was borderline on it right there when she's fussing, I'm going, my blood pressure's going up. But I had to recognize and realize and go, you know what? Take a deep breath, count to three. I, I got into this thing where I go one, thousand two, thousand three. By the time I say 1,003, if I'm still pissed, we might see some action. But if I can't calm myself down in that three seconds and recognize there's no reason for me to get angry about it, it's not going to resolve anything. Now, I don't, I'm not perfect. I'm not able to do that all the time. Sometimes I just respond. I'm not proud of it, but I'm human. And so I do it a lot more where I'm able to kind of compose myself, regroup, Get the baby a bottle of milk, settle down a little bit, realize that, hey, it's only a 22-minute point right now. So it's not like we're, we just, let's find something to end it positively. Let's control the situation, and then we'll get out of the session. That's how we do it. And now you're giggling because you think it's funny. Oh, you're so funny. And I look at it, and I go, okay, now we got to win. We got dogs settled down over there. Bella went to the bathroom. She's laying down. Ben, he's settled down. I had him wound up here earlier. The baby's laughing and giggling a little bit with her bottle, and I go, you know what? It's probably enough. It's probably enough. Let's not push this any further. Although things are going good now. Things start all of a sudden going good, and we want to go a little bit further. No, let's just, let's just salvage what we've got here. So you get yourself a short little podcast, a 20-minute podcast here today. But we're giving you something. And it the, maybe the value out of it is the topic, which was, hey, training multiple dogs together and how to handle some scenarios that way. Maybe the topic is how to get out of a poor situation, a session that just didn't go as planned. And we deal with it. And we recognize and realize it's not always perfect. I, 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 can't, I can't tell you how many times I watch. I, I, follow, I, I do follow some other dog pages. I follow dog trainers. I gain a lot from that. I don't always apply it exactly, but I gain a lot, and I've got I've got a ton of respect for for those that are willing to share it. I just think that that's a gift that people. Um, I'm really grateful that people are willing to share it. I do get a little concerned at times because it is like I get a little self conscious, and I go, "Man, ev- nobody has issues like me. Everybody, everybody's it's always smooth. Their dogs are always good. They're always they always do everything right." I I I think to myself. I don't know that I could hang with that group because we make, we make a lot of, I make a lot of mistakes and so do my dogs. And well, that's okay. I've come to realize, you know what? Not only is that okay. I think that's normal. 
And I don't believe for a second that it doesn't happen when the camera goes away. When the camera turns off, that stuff doesn't happen to everybody else as well. I know it happens. I know it does. And I don't have an issue with it. I want to share that with you. So um, it's a different, it's a riskier way of doing it. It's a way that, you know, a lot of people are going to look at us and go, I can't believe he did that. Why didn't he see that coming? Well, I don't see everything. I don't, I don't. I thought she was going to be a lot better, didn't you? Yeah. She's, I mean, she was damn near sleeping when yeah. we were starting this podcast. And you I thought, said before we started, I think she's just going to I think she'll fall asleep. asleep. Let's do one, Ben. And next thing <laughs> you know, she's standing up and right now about to tear down the camera. So you just don't, you, it, it's real life. It happens. Um, it's okay. And I think you guys got to hear that. And I think you got to see that. Because if you got it perfect, I think you should do a podcast. <laughs> I think you should do videos and I, I'll follow you because I think I can learn from that. But I just don't know that it's realistic to say that it always goes good. Um, and so our, our message and our mission is to show you how much crap I can get going, how much, how many mistakes I can make. And, but I do, I, and I say that kind of jokingly, but I, I'm not, I'm not, um, it is realistic. And so I don't have an issue with it. My, my pride is, is, Long been, um, long been broken down to the point of you know what, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with us not doing things everything right and perfect, and it always looks great. And so that's it. Good podcast. Um, we turn we make good podcasts out of crappy podcasts, and that's the value of what Ben can bring to this organization. So that's it. We sign off number sixty six. We're gonna be doing another one. Uh, we'll be cranking out a few and then we're going to go do that Michigan buck pole. And then I got a couple other things that we're working on that we'll be announcing soon. So Lillian says goodbye and so do I. 